Hey guys, welcome to this session of Law Enforcement Transitions. My name is Eric Vento. I'm here with Melanie Zinger. Um, before she introduces herself, um, this will be another podcast where we discuss someone's transition out of law enforcement. What worked well for them, what didn't work well, and ultimately it enables them to provide their own perspective on their story and give advice to the next generation of people who find themselves in similar positions of coming out of maybe their dream job, out of maybe 40 years of retirement, or someone who had something happen to them and they're coming out sooner than they expected. Whatever your story is, um, I really hope that you find value in today's session and that whatever you learn and whatever you pick up, that it lends perspective to everything you're hearing from people online, people who have transitioned before you, et cetera. So, um, before we get started, again, my name is Eric Vento. I transitioned out in early 2017 from the Houston Police Department, and I've been helping people such as yourself for the past five or six years um, handle everything from resumes to LinkedIn profiles to executive coaching. Um, ultimately, we learn best from others, and that really, really helps us prepare for the next phase because every single person's story is different. So without further ado, I'd love to pass it over to Melanie. Melanie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Eric. This is like really cool. I feel a little bit famous right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are you are for a podcast. So well, you are you are famous, Melanie, because you know, again, every single one of our stories is unique and different. And um, even if it only helps one person, then that's yeah. enough. Definitely. So could you give us a little bit of background about you and, you know, your law enforcement journey and the transition process? Absolutely. Um, I have kind of a bit of a different experience than most people that uh, came from law enforcement. Um, I actually started out my career in the corporate sector um, right out of college. My dream when I was in college was to become a federal agent with the FBI. So I did what most people in that position would do. They apply and I got rejected saying you need some experience or a master's degree of some sort. So I thought, all right, I'm going to go get myself some experience. And uh, I worked, started doing background investigations for um, DOD uh, that led to kind of some leadership positions with adjudications, um, focusing mainly in personnel security. And then I was fortunate enough to get into kind of training design with uh, government contractors. I worked at Booz Allen and Northrop Grumman for a bit of time um, doing instructional systems design, which was really cool. It was kind of at the forefront before technology was really emerging and everything was virtual, but it was starting to go that way. And it exposed me to a lot, but I realized I don't think I want to sit behind a desk for the rest of my life. And um, if I do, I'm not really sure this is it. And um, so I was very passionate about kind of human uh, anatomy movement. And so I actually went back to school and became a massage therapist and personal trainer for a bit of time. Um, I was living in DC and did the government sector work up there, moved to Atlanta for a brief period of time, went to massage school here, um, did that for uh, a little over a year. Um, and I was kind of at an inflection point personally, a uh, relationship was ending and I was like, I need to be able to find something where I can support myself. And 
unfortunately, that really wasn't it with the jobs uh, that I was getting in the personal training massage therapy world. Uh, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to pursue this law enforcement thing again. And, you know, I have some more experience under my belt now. Um, but it was, I was unusual in that I was, uh, 31 at the time when I uh, started kind of looking back into what do I want to do when I grow up? (laughs) And (laughs) I did apply to the federal sector as well as, um, some local government agencies and, uh, I was starting a new relationship in my life and I did get a federal offer. And then I got an offer with uh, a local agency and I had moved back to Northern Virginia at this time. And at 32 years old, 31, maybe I thought, you know, I don't know that I want to not know where I'm going to live in six months and constantly be moving around. And if I was 22, this would have been amazing. And I would have jumped on it, but I said, okay, I think I want to go for some stability. And so that's the route I went. And, um, you know, but in the back of my mind, I thought this is going to be my career for the next 25 years. This is it. I, you know, finally know what I want to do when I grow up. And um, I worked for a small department in Northern Virginia and got a lot of opportunities to do some really cool things. Um was never in investigations, but helped them out quite a bit. And then uh, my formalized unit that I ended up in was canine, which was like my dream job because I'm a huge animal lover. And I mean, I like animals better than people most of the time. So (laughs) it it was a good fit for me. Um, And I loved that part of the job, but uh, you know, it was a bit of a toxic environment. And I just thought, I was about 10 years in and I was like, I don't know mentally if I can do this for the next 15 years just to try to get this pension and have that stability. Um, So I thought, you know, maybe I could go back to the corporate world and kind of use some of my experience here. And um, so it was about nine years or so in that I started looking Um, and I I had a resume at the time, but it wasn't that great. Um, but I really didn't reach out to anyone professionally for help. Um, I don't even remember, honestly, if I had a LinkedIn profile, if I did, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't much to it. So I kind of built that up a bit. Um, just did some Google searches on, I didn't even know what to look for, honestly, like job titles. Um, cause I just, I didn't know anyone that had made that transition. Um, a lot of us were kind of talking about it and we're like, what the hell are we going to do if we, you know, (laughs) Um, so the phrase corporate security was being thrown around some, and I I thought, what the heck is this? And started looking into it. And I thought, you know, I, I could do, I, I feel like I could do 95% of this based on my experience uh, just kind of varied throughout my career. Um, But I wasn't getting anywhere in terms of interviews. I finally got lucky and did get one interview, um, a a lead to uh, Amazon actually, and went through a few interviews with them and was fortunate enough to get an offer, but the salary wasn't much more than I was making where I was at. And I thought, you know, I don't know that I want to leave the stability of uh, where I'm at right now for something that could be kind of volatile and, you know, not know if I'm going to have a job in six months. So I kind of said, thanks, but no thanks. But other than that, I really had no leads with anything. And um, 
just was getting very, very frustrated. And, um, you know, you and I were talking before this interview started and you said you had been watching videos on how to transition. And I don't know if I wasn't searching the right things, um, but I just wasn't really finding a lot of resources out there. And so I thought, you know, maybe this isn't it. Maybe I need to just stay where I'm at. I've got a job. I'm pretty confident that I'm going to have a job. Um, but just mentally, I was not doing well. Um, and I was finally at a point where I did, I was fortunate. I had like Sundays and Mondays off. So I did have somewhat of a normal schedule. Um, but it just still felt like I was missing things for holidays and family time. And so, I was very fortunate that uh, I had a connection. So I work at Salesforce right now and uh, I had a connection on a personal level um, where someone introduced me to someone that was kind of a leadership over a corporate security program here at Salesforce. And she said, would you just be willing to have a conversation with her? And he said, absolutely. Cause he had made the transition from the federal sector. Um, so it was great just to kind of bounce some ideas off of him. Uh, he looked at my resume, gave me a couple of comments just to tweak it a little bit. And he said, I'll be honest with you, I don't really have anything right now, um, but I might down the road, um, but it would likely be in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was in the DC area at the time. And he said, would you be willing to relocate? And I said, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, at this point, I'm like, what do I have to lose? Uh, so sure enough, it was probably a little over six months and he, he, uh, called me up and said, Hey, you know, we have this position. Do you want to move forward and kind of go through the application and interview process? And I said, hundred percent. So, um, once I went down that path, it, it, it still took a little bit of time. I thought the government world moved slow, but the, <laughs> the private sector can move just as slow, if not slower. Um, I even, there was even a snafu with the recruiter and the, I got like an auto-generated email once I submitted the application said, we're not moving forward. And, but thank God I had this connection and I was able to reach out to him and just be like, um, am I out of the process? He's like, what? <laughs> so he said that basically they hit the wrong button by mistake. And it just, so, just shows you like, don't give up, you know, if that happens, um, so, how, how often does that happen? You know, I know it's kind of scary, you know, unless you really have a connection on the inside, you just, you never know. Um, so anyway, uh, that's kind of how I ended up where I'm at now. I've, I have been there since, uh, I guess, 2019. Um, so a little under four years now, and it's, it's been a great experience. I mean, I, I didn't think it would be as difficult as it was um, just because I had worked in the corporate sector before, but there was a lot of time and space between that. And this was a very different type of role and a uh, different sector altogether. I was working for a you know, huge tech company and it was like learning a whole new language. So it, Absolutely. it was a transition. Yeah, that, that's a, I, I just love, I love these podcasts just because again, everyone has such different experiences and um, you know, as much as we think that our own stories are super unique, which they are, and no one will ever understand, you know, which I don't agree with necessarily, um, you know, listening to your story and listening to your own experience. And I just hear so many similarities between, you know, what your experience was and what I hear from every single other person, myself included, who has gone through the job search process. 
you know, how many times have we got that auto rejection email like 30 seconds after you apply? Yeah. You know, how many times have have we been unable to get any kind of answer without knowing someone there? You know, um, yeah. do we even know how to find connections? Do we even know how to leverage our networks and our our relationships on LinkedIn, wherever they may be, to find those answers? You know, you mentioned going through a couple of loops with with Amazon when you were kind of starting out in the in the corporate security world. You know, even though you had been in the corporate sector before, you know, what were those interviews like? You know, um, do you remember like some of the emotions and some of the things that you experienced when you were going through that process? Yeah, they were very anxiety ridden. Uh, <laughs> I, I do remember that. Um, you know, I'm trying to remember when I first started out my career and landed in the jobs that I was in early on in corporate there was definitely more than one interview, but they weren't nearly as intense as what I experienced with Amazon. And, and I kind of knew what to expect because I had some, a lot of friends actually kind of in the tech world and they had gone through similar, but for very different roles. So, you know, I thought, well, maybe it'll be different, but uh, you know, the one-on-one stuff was fine. It was the panel interview that seemed the most daunting. You're just staring at, you know, depending on the the role or the company, like six or eight people on a screen, they're bouncing questions at you left and right. And, um, you know, but it's just, it's kind of going back to the law enforcement stuff that you learned in a stressful scenario and taking a moment to pause, take a deep breath and realize that you do have experience that can transfer it's just a matter of trying to articulate it. And that's that's not always easy. And I, I definitely failed at that several times and will continue to do so. But um, I was fortunate that uh, at Amazon, I did not have anyone on the panel that was in law enforcement. But at Salesforce, there was one person on the panel that had been in law enforcement. And so I just kind of gravitated towards him and <laughs> thought, okay, here's my... Uh, compatriot in the room and I can kind of relate to him. And, um, you know, he definitely made me feel more at ease. Everyone was very friendly and professional, of course, but I just felt that connection just because we had that common background and thought, you know, he transitioned here. I can do this. Even if this isn't the right role for me, there could be something out there. So just try to. Were you surprised when that individual reached back out to you after six months? I was actually, yeah, I thought it was definitely a done deal. Um, you know, I can't remember, I think I had talked to the hiring manager cause he was, he was the hiring manager's boss. And I think I had talked to her briefly. Um, and I could tell like, she just didn't seem that interested. Um, And so I thought, well, even if he's advocating for me, I mean, technically he's her boss, but she has the final say. And if she can know this isn't the right fit for whatever reason, um, because she did not come from law enforcement. Um, And I just thought after I spoke to her, I I just kind of had a bad feeling that I would never hear anything again. So I was definitely very surprised and pleasantly surprised. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Can you describe a little bit for us, like some of the, the, you know, obviously you knew someone there, which is a huge advantage. Nothing's ever guaranteed for the most part, but it's still a big advantage. You know, can you describe for everyone who will be watching this, like what what is some of the preparation that you undertook 
to, you know, get prepared for each interview, you know, and describe, you know, um, what steps you took, you know, to set yourself up for success. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of research on the company, um, really, you know, I didn't know what CRM even meant. So it was definitely like drinking from a fire hose, trying to learn Salesforce and what the hell is this company about? Um, so just really watching, they have a lot of great videos online that were super helpful. Their uh, careers website was very helpful. Um, they definitely try to make it candidate friendly, I think, in terms of learning about the company, learning about the culture, understanding what their mission, their vision is. Um, and then just really, I would get names of people that I would be speaking to and looking them up on LinkedIn, trying to understand their background, uh, what their skill set was, you know, what they might be looking for in the role. Um, it's like studying for a test, honestly, you know, just kind of doing your due diligence and practicing, um, you know, trying to think of questions that they might ask you, um, coming up with some examples from your background that you think would uh, carry over to the corporate sector, um, and really trying to relate to people that didn't have that law enforcement background that yet you could sort of find common ground with, okay, this situation is applicable across the board, no matter what industry. Um, yeah, I definitely, I mean, I had pages of notes for Salesforce. Um, Amazon, I was felt very prepared as well, but Salesforce, it was just sort of like my dream company. Um, and I, I definitely treated it kind of like a final exam, just I'm going to study whatever I can. And, you know, at least I, if I didn't get it, I can't say that I, there's anything I could have done differently. So. Mm, yeah. I love that. Um, you know, so much of the time when I'm talking to clients or potential clients, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time it's identified that articulating your law enforcement background to the corporate world is the hardest part you know, either on paper, in a resume, or verbally during an interview process. Because, you know, most of us have interviewed within law enforcement for various positions, either laterals or promotions. And, you know, the interview process within law enforcement is fairly straightforward. But trying to, you know, correlate your extremely specialized experience to the corporate world, which seems like a night and day difference, can really be a, a stressful experience for people. Like, can you talk a little bit about you know, how you were able to do that and what preparation you undertook to really nail that aspect of the interview process. Yeah, I mean, I, I think any job for the most part is really being able to relate to people and solve problems, you know, so that's applicable across no matter what you're talking about in law enforcement, it could be responding to um, someone that was suicidal. It could be responding to someone high on drugs, a burglary assault. But at the end of the day, you're trying to solve a problem and corporations are trying to do the same thing. So, you know, not every, you can't prepare for every question by any means, but it was, I, I think I tried to have kind of like six scenarios that I thought, Okay, um, you know, you look up interview questions online, they right. might be um, every corporation is going to have their own kind of unique style with their interviews, but hopefully most of those questions you can kind of relate to one of those scenarios that you've thought through in your head and kind of practiced. Um, you know, there, there's a couple that I was like, God, I don't have an answer for that. And 
Um, but kind of going back to that pause and giving yourself some time to kind of go through your Rolodex of scenarios in your mind and, you know, not feeling like you have to rush through anything. Um, and like I said, everyone, I was fortunate that everyone was extremely nice, very professional. Um, if I needed some time to think about something and say, you know, can I have a second to kind of think about that? And, um, so for the most part, I think just kind of trying to prepare ahead of time with some scenarios, um, but realizing that you're, you may not have the answer to everything. You're, there's going to be things in the corporate world that you've never really dealt with before, but hopefully you can still kind of work around that with, okay, well, in this situation, when I was responding to this call, that kind of could relate to what they're trying to get at here. So, um, yeah, I, I love that example. Yeah, I love that example just because we're not robots. Yeah. You know, and when you're in that interview setting, I don't care who you are, you're nervous. Yeah. You know, and those questions are coming at you and you're like, I have to respond really quickly. I have to have something on the go. And that's not that's not true. You know, the ultimate purpose of a lot of these interviews, you know, having been a hiring manager on multiple occasions, is just to see how people process out loud. Yeah. You know, they want to see, okay, you know, how would they approach this particular problem? You know, we want to see how people, you know, think out loud and problem solve on the fly. And, you know, we want to, you know, we look at how they articulate things and, you know, um, their interpersonal dynamics and their approaches to people issues, et cetera. And, um, you know, it is perfectly okay to say, yeah, that's a really good question. Can I have a few, a few seconds to think about my response? You know, speaking from my perspective as a hiring manager, I would much rather someone take that time and come up with a well-reasoned response or at least a well-thought-out response rather than just rush into it and try to give me whatever they think it is I want to hear. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where so many of us just fall into that trap of, well, I have to have something ready to go. When in reality, you know, um, quality over quantity. Yeah. And sometimes even like follow-up questions can kind of trigger something about a previous question. And you can say, Hey, do you mind if we go back to that for a second? It just reminded me of this and um, can kind of help your response with other questions as the interview goes on. And um, I found that like, as, as, like you said, you're always very nervous, but usually as time goes on and you're kind of feeling more comfortable, your brain starts to relax, your body starts to relax, things start to come to you that weren't necessarily there in the beginning. So absolutely. You know, when you when you started at Salesforce, you said you've been been there a little over four years. Can you describe, I guess in the first six months or so of your employment there, can you describe some of the things that were going well and then some of the things that potentially surprised you about the law enforcement transition into the corporate world? Um it, like I said earlier, it was definitely like learning a whole new language. Um, I felt like I was a kindergartner in a graduate class. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that imposter syndrome was creeping in. Like, what have I done? I don't know if I'm going to be able to survive. I mean, the people were great. They were supportive. And everyone said, look, it's going to take six months till you feel like you kind of have a, have the hang of it. And that's if you came from a similar industry. Um, so 
it was just trying to constantly remind myself that, hey, you've been in scenarios before that were brand new. Um, I kind of treated it like the academy and field training and just trying to absorb everything I possibly could, observe the culture. Um, I really was proactive in setting up uh one-on-one interviews with people, um, not only within kind of my small team, but within our larger organization. Um, At the time it was pre-COVID, so most people were in the office and just trying to talk to people that were in other sectors within the organization as well and kind of learn about, um, you know, learn more about Salesforce itself. Um, What is it that we're trying to achieve here? and what is important to my leadership? You know, really, I can't succeed if I don't know what their priorities are. So, um, you know, coming from the law enforcement world where there's such a chain of command, there was there was still and still is that um, in the corporate world. Um, but I had to kind of break down my own anxiety about going to skip levels and things like that. And just saying, saying, you know, I'm trying to learn here. This is what I'm thinking. Am I on the right track? Um, You know, is this how you think I can be successful and really trying to kind of advocate and put myself out there, which was very uncomfortable and still is, but I've realized that it's kind of the recipe for success, at least for me, like just, you know, I might fail 10 times, but I'm not going to learn if I don't put myself out there. So that's a great point, you know, especially about the chain of command, you know, it's something that I don't know of a single person who has made the transition at any level, whether you've been a chief or a patrol officer that hasn't struggled with that, with going from a very rigid chain of command process where you better not skip over anybody, you know, to the corporate world where, you know, depending obviously on the company that you work for and the culture, um, it's a little less, a little more relaxed. For the most yeah. part, and you know, trying to transition your mindset to that of, you know, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to go above your supervisor, you know, depending on what the issue is and stuff like that. Um, that can be a really, really interesting mindset change. Yeah, and uh, it takes quite some time to to know internally this is okay. I'm not yeah. going to get my hands slapped. I'm not going to get called into the office for, hey, why don't you talk to so-and-so? You know, um, obviously, again, there's exceptions to everything, but um, it sounds like the culture that you walked into was really welcoming. They were gracious. Yeah. And, you know, they, you know, they didn't expect you to fail, but they gave you the room to do so, you know, and that's, in my experience, at least that's a rarity. Yeah, I I was very fortunate to join a small team. Um, I was the only one based in Atlanta. We're kind of, we're regionalized. So each of us has a separate region that we're responsible for. But even my hiring manager, you know, she had her doubts and she was very straightforward about them, but she had um, hired another guy that's based in New York that had uh, like 30 years with Secret Service. And so I talked to him quite a bit and just really, Every, every office and region is going to be a little bit different, but learning, you know, what, what works for you, um, what's, what should be kind of my priorities in the first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Um, but I was, like you said, I, I was extremely fortunate that they were very welcoming and, um, 
part of that was just the team I was on. Part of it, I think, was the company and the culture and the values. And um, but it kind of did feel like a small family. And you know, I was I don't know know that I would have received that everywhere. So I got lucky in that regard. Absolutely. You know, I've 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 been a part of you know family like atmospheres before, and I've also been a part of very toxic atmospheres and. You know, the work-life balance and mental health, you know, that we all experience, regardless of the job that we're in, are so important Mm -hmm. to not only how we view the job, but, you know, how long we stay. And, you know, your tenure at Salesforce is, you know, at a a very baseline level, it's indicative of the culture there. It's indicative of, you know, um, your experience there. And, you know, that's to be applauded. Yeah, you know, there. When I started there, I want to say we had about thirty-five thousand employees, and we grew to eighty thousand too quickly, like most companies in the tech industry. And a lot of layoffs happened this year, Um, so we more than doubled in size in a very short amount of time. Um, But one thing that I think has remained relatively consistent is kind of that core culture, the values. Um, it's it's definitely shifted a little bit this year. I think just like the industry with the economy and everything, more that performance culture. Um, but I think the team I'm on definitely kind of tries to stay true to that. So I'm lucky. I love that. I mean, I I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful and I feel so blessed that when, when people tell me that because you know, um, I tell people all the time, like, I, I, at least I get asked all the time, you know, what's the number one thing you look for in a job? And I, hands down, that's the person I report to. Yeah. You know, that's the relationship that matters the most. It doesn't matter how much I get paid, what the culture is like. You know, if my relationship with my boss is in any way not positive, that's going to affect every other aspect of my work-life balance. 100%. You know, and... um you know, I'm really grateful that where I am now, my boss is awesome. And, you know, she allows me to fail, but she's always there at the founding board as well. And, you know, again, whether you're an individual contributor or you're a manager, you know, having that room to fail is such a force multiplier for growth, you know, but also knowing that it's okay. You know, like it's okay to mess up. It's okay to fail because that's the only way that we grow. Man, it's such a, at least for me, it's such a freeing place to be and a freeing place to work in, you know? Yeah, I I agree. My, unfortunately, the hiring manager is no longer there and she was the best boss I've ever had. Um, She left voluntarily about a year ago now. She had been there for, I think, over seven years. and she really, really encouraged her team to kind of make their own decisions, use her as that sounding board, like you said, but, you know, be responsible for your region. And if you have questions, you want to bounce ideas, I'm here, I'm not going to micromanage you, but I'm always going to support you. I'm going to have your back if things don't go well. I know you had the best intentions and you're going to learn from it. And um, just allowing us to really kind of have that beginner's mindset has been really, really um, powerful for me. Yeah, you know, when I came to TD, a lot of people were retiring and I had a, I had a chance to meet a lot of them. And the common denominator among most of them were they were there for 30 plus years. Wow. 
And I, I think one person was there for like 45. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, because I mean, I've worked in the non-tech, I've worked in the tech sector, which is obviously, you know, famous for move fast and break things, right. you know, and, you know, just to see and interact with people who have given like literally their entire lives to a company, haven't been run out, you know, haven't left for, for toxic reasons, haven't left for really anything negative. I mean, obviously every, everyone has negative things happen, but, yeah. um, you know, to, to listen to their stories, I was just like, man, I should be so lucky to even have half of that time, yeah. you know? And so, um, you well, know, you I, I thought working. that was going to be law enforcement. Like I yeah, did, you know, absolutely. I didn't think there would be anything else. So, yeah, it's just, it just goes to show you, like, we all have our own individual plans for our lives, you know, and sometimes those don't materialize in the way that we think they're going to. And, um, it just puts us on a completely different career trajectory, you know, um, you know, as, as we come to the, the end of this, you know, now that you've been in the corporate world for, you know, going almost five years, you know, there's a whole new generation of officers out there who are getting out for a variety of different reasons. What are some pieces of advice that you would tell them? I think if it's a voluntary transition, give yourself time. Um, don't expect it to happen overnight. Um, as we all know, it can really feel like a full-time job. Um, and so I would say plan if you want to leave, you know, in 365 days, start planning now. Um, relationships, networking. Uh, I didn't realize how important that was until really I got out and am in the corporate world now and see like just how vital that is to, you know, not only being successful in your current role, but if you want to go to another company, those relationships and network are really paramount. Um, and not being afraid to seek help um, with someone like yourself or other resources out there watching videos online. Um, you know, looking back, I probably should have hired a, a person to do my resume or at least help with my LinkedIn profile. Um, and that's something even today, I'm like, you know, maybe I should kind of relook at that again. Um, I just think using the resources out there, um, not being able to, not being afraid to put yourself out there. It can be a little awkward to send a connection request and a message on LinkedIn to someone you've never met. Um, but I think most people are really receptive and um, just saying, hey, would you be willing to have a 15 minute conversation with me? Especially if you know it was someone that transitioned from law enforcement, right. ask them about their experience, if they have any lessons learned. Um, I think relationships are really foundational and the more you can do to kind of network and build that, um, the more successful you're going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really, really appreciate you bringing up the, the connection aspect because, you know, as law enforcement, so many of us are so intensely private, mm -hmm. you know, and we get told, Hey, social media, is the devil, you know, don't get on there. And, you know, and, you know, transitioning the mindset to, you know, I, I need to engage. I need to build relationships. I need to reach outside my comfort zone, regardless of whether you get told to do so or not can be intensely uncomfortable, you know, and, you know, putting your, your face on, on LinkedIn and putting your department or, you know, stuff like that. It, it's, 
you know, I've been out of law enforcement for, for a long time now, so it's not nearly as foreign to me, but I still talk to people who are like, what do I do? I don't, I can't just message that person. I don't know them. I'm like, I know, but it's, 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 it's about setting a reasonable expectations. You know, like that's what LinkedIn is for. It's a yeah. networking site. You know, um, obviously people can choose not to respond to you. You know, they can tell you, hey. I've had plenty you know, of those. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you just, you know, it's, but, it's okay. It's not personal. Exactly. You know, but for every person that does say that, there's so many more that are like, absolutely. You know, like I've been there where you are. Yeah. You know, like, how can I help? How can I answer your question? Then um, I tell people, like, every single client I talk to, I say, you're not alone. There's an army of people who have transitioned before you who know exactly what you've gone through to some degree or another. And for the most part, are more than willing to, to bend over backward to help you transition successfully. Yeah. And I think that's so important for people to hear. Just because whether you're coming from the military or the intelligence community, even teaching, you know, you may not necessarily know, like, who do I reach out to for help? You know, you're just the first thing you're doing is getting on Google. OK, teachers coming out of the corporate world, cop to corporate, you know, whatever the case may be. And again, LinkedIn, LinkedIn can either be as effective as anything you've ever done or you could just passively exist on there. Yeah. You know, and um, again, it just it's a mindset change. So um, is there anything else that you want to pass along to the viewers of this podcast? Any other advice or pearls of wisdom? Um, I, I think like you were saying, your your manager and your boss is extremely important. Um, but I think, you know, think about why, again, if it's voluntary, I know it's different if it's involuntary and you're kind of forced to do whatever you need to do to kind of survive. But if you've got some time, really think about what's important to you, what your values are, um, because there's so many different directions you could go with corporate security, um, that kind of industry and really law enforcement, we, we don't really get a say, you know, you're just, you're working for the bureaucracy, uh, you're working for your chain of command. Um, they can kind of preach, we're all in this together in this mission. But I think in the corporate world, you there's a little bit more um, self-selection that you can do and try to find a company that really aligns with your values. That was one thing that was extremely important to me was to find a place where I could, I felt like I could bring my authentic self to work. Um, I did not have that for 10 years in law enforcement and it really, that was part of the toll that it took on my mental health. And I thought, you know, I'm in my early forties at this point, I no longer want to have to walk on eggshells at work and, you know, your private life obviously is still private. You can share whatever you feel comfortable sharing, but it's also important to feel like you don't have to put on a mask every time you're coming to work. Um, and it's just like a weight can be lifted off your shoulders. If you find that right company, um, you know, yeah. I've, I've worked for a lot of, uh, toxic bosses, um, over my years, both in corporate and law enforcement. Um, so that culture only goes so far, but it, it's sort of the foundation. And then hopefully you get that manager that really kind of aligns with that as well. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, the last thing I'll say before we end is, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the mask, I think what I think about all the time, and you're probably going to laugh at this, is, 
you know, we watch these commercials on TV all the time for medicine and drugs. Yeah. And we always see those people holding up the signs in front of their face where they're smiling, but behind they're not. And I think about that all the time for for people who, whether you're in law enforcement or corporate, it doesn't matter. Like, um, we all have a mask, you know, and um, being able to be our true selves in the environment that we spend usually more than 40 hours a week working at um, can be such a either massive positive or massive negative on so many different aspects of our life. So um, really, really appreciate you mentioning that. And Melly, I, I just want to thank you for your transparency and, and sharing your story with us. I have no doubt that it'll help many people. And uh, again, just thank you for your vulnerability. Oh, thanks for allowing me to be here, Eric. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye.